today, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Michigan has the fourth highest COVID-19 mortality rate for African Americans. And according to a new study from the Brookings Institution, JFM Consulting, data-driven Detroit and the University of Michigan, about 30 out of every 1,000 black people living in our state can expect to die from COVID-19 during the pandemic. Here on Detroit Today, we have been talking a lot about that disparity for more than a year now. And of course, we are part of the community that is experiencing and suffering from those losses. This new study sheds more light on why all of that exists and ways we can address them moving forward. Our partners, New Detroit, are going to hold a town hall event today at noon called Advancing a Racially Equitable COVID-19 Recovery. And this is the first of a three-part town hall series that New Detroit is hosting around the report with support from Rocket Community Fund. You can watch on Facebook at New Detroit, Inc., But that is where we want to begin the conversation today as well with this idea of these incredible racial disparities that we have experienced over the last year uh, through the pandemic and what we need to be doing about them. And we've got two guests here today to help us frame out the discussion. Dr. Rayshon Ray is a Rubenstein Fellow of Governance Studies at the Brookings Institution and lead author of this new study entitled Examining and Addressing COVID-19 Racial Disparities in Detroit. Uh, Dr. Ray, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so so much for having me. I look forward to this important discussion. Yeah. And uh, also with us is Mike Rafferty. He is the president and CEO of New Detroit. Mike, welcome back to Detroit today. Thanks, Stephen. It's good to hear you. Yes. So um, let's start here. The report's findings include disparities directly dealing with COVID, but this report also looks at uh, some economic disparities that existed before. For example, the study found that black residents are seven times more likely to be very concerned about being evicted and 17 times more likely uh, than white residents to report needing rent ex- uh, assistance. So uh, let's let's talk about what we're learning in this study. Uh, th- these are things that we've been talking about for a long time, as I noted in in the open. But what what should be jumping out to people here uh, that maybe they haven't thought of before? Uh, Dr. Ray, I'll start with you. Well, I think one of the biggest things that we discovered um, that Jane and the rest of our team um, highlighted is the ways that COVID-19 spills over into other aspects of people's lives. You just mentioned eviction and being worried about being able to pay rent. The, this is one example of these COVID-19 spillovers that spills over into everything from thinking about childcare, thinking about paying rent, thinking about putting food on the table, and then obviously thinking about neighborhood access to resources, particularly when it comes to healthcare. And so the the disparities that we see in COVID-19 by race in Detroit, in the state of Michigan and elsewhere, um, oftentimes stems from unaddressed uh, racial disparities when it comes to the structural conditions that undergird our lives. And let's talk about what what you're finding in this study in terms of uh, those actual disparities. I just rattle off a couple numbers of the economic disparities, uh, but really there's there's two dimensions here. There is that economic gap, 
But there's also uh, the public health gap, which we are, as I said, still suffering through here uh, in Detroit. Dr. Ray, what did you find? You know, one of the big things we found is that when we looked at uh, residents without health insurance, that when we compare, say, Detroit um, and even Wayne County to the other counties in the area, Macomb, um, Oakland County, we found that uh, residents in Detroit were much more likely to not have health insurance. And not only not have health insurance, but also lack some of the access to be able to even reach um, health in, to, to even reach health um, health resources. And, and when we say health resources, we're talking about things such as uh, pharmacies, such as uh, specialty clinics, things that we know matter so much for reducing the likelihood, not only that people die early, but also that when they deal with a once a one in a lifetime pandemic, that they actually have the resources to be able to properly respond and prepare. So these structural conditions in healthcare, work and neighborhood access really collide on black residents in Detroit in ways that we didn't see for other groups. Uh, Mike Rafferty, uh, I find some real, I guess, resonance in the idea that New Detroit was started in 1968 as a way of trying to address incredible gaps between black Detroiters and white Detroiters after uh, the uprising in nineteen in nineteen sixty seven. Uh, it is twenty twenty one. We have just lived through a tremendously painful pandemic, and here's New Detroit yet again putting forward the idea that look, we have got to focus on the difference between life for white and black uh, Detroiters. I, I just want to give you a chance to to talk about that work and how significant it is now, given how long we've been at this uh, and that your organization has been at this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the best way to start that and dovetail it into the, the conversation about the uh, the report that we, we, we did with Brookings, you'll remember it was about a year ago, almost to the day that you and I, uh, Stephen, spoke about the, the likelihood uh, of black Americans being disproportionately challenged by COVID because mm-hmm. of, you know, how Systemic racism, quite frankly, has led to the disparities in healthcare and quality. Uh, and unfortunately, it wasn't long after we were proven right. Um, you know, by summer, we saw that uh, COVID was killing black Americans at a rate two and a half times out of whites. And one of the largest uh, racial gaps in the country was found here in Michigan. Um, and I was very happy to see that state leaders uh, quickly responded with a task force and the policy changes soon followed. Um, but, you know, to the question, I was still very concerned about the long-term impacts that COVID would have on black people, indigenous people, and people of color um, across the country and certainly in Detroit. Uh, and because uh, the, the root cause of this problem is systemic, uh, I was also deeply concerned that all the gaps that we've seen across categories like the economy and education uh, could widen uh, through the pandemic. Um, and so... You know, it, it is sobering. You know, I came in, into the role in what, May of 2019, uh, and I was you know, deeply inspired to, to, to do this work in part because, uh, you know, we, we, we need to really double down, quite frankly, on, on, on addressing racism as one of the biggest problems we've got in the country. And I think COVID uh, put a spotlight on that. So, so there are 
huge policy proposals and goals uh, that are laid out in the report, and they could take a lot of different forms, I guess. Uh, but but how important are the specifics of how those policy goals are achieved and what they end up uh, looking like? I mean, I, I feel like this is one of the real tension points in in talking about progress is how do you come up with policy uh, changes that will actually make a difference in in the outcomes that we're seeing. And and I know, Mike, uh, New Detroit is really focused on that policy end of this. Uh, talk mm-hmm. just a little about how important that is. Oh, it's, it's enormously important. I mean, yeah, and when we're talking about racism or something systemic, we're talking about, you know, every system, every part of the system. And there are policies across, you know, I would say, you know, every, every, every landscape, you know, whether it's local, uh, statewide, national. I think where we need to focus, you know, our attention is you know, we, we have to make this a bipartisan issue. We have to make, you know, achieving equity uh, on 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 any front and at any scale, uh, you know, a bipartisan issue. Addressing racism head on, addressing issues like what we've seen through healthcare and quality, all the way to you know creating equity in you know economic conditions and housing conditions. It is a rising tide. Um, you know, there was a. a a report uh, that uh, I believe McKinsey put out a couple years ago that said that you know, if we close uh, gaps in 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 the economy and, and, and income and wealth, just between Black and white Americans, we would have five trillion more dollars in the national GDP uh, annually. You know, and that 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 type of examination shows us how how how, how you know persistent and pervasive and systemic. The problem is and how the solution itself could actually be a win-win for all. So, I mean, I think, you know, all policy change really starts with motivation. And, you know, we're all motivated by our best interest. Um, and when we consider that best, best interest being, you know, that of America, that, you know, of all of us, I think that's where policy change, real policy change can, can begin. I'm talking with uh, Dr. Rashawn Ray, who is the Rubenstein Fellow of Governance Studies at the Brookings Institution and the lead author of a new study titled Examining and Addressing COVID-19 Racial Disparities in Detroit. Also with us is Michael Rafferty. He is the president and CEO of New Detroit here in Detroit. We're talking about uh, this new report that uh, Brookings has released, uh, taking a really close look at the racial gaps that exist uh, in COVID-19 impact here in Detroit. Not just looking, in fact, at the public health gaps, which we've been talking about an awful lot here on Detroit Today over the last year, but also at the economic gaps that existed before the pandemic uh, that exacerbated the effects of that public health uh, gap, the things that uh, that leave African Americans behind uh, systemically generation after generation. Uh, we'd love to hear from you this segment. Uh, if you want to call and join the conversation, give us a call and tell us how you think we can make sure that the recovery from this pandemic is equitable. What has happened has happened. And uh, black America, black Detroiters uh, are suffering in a way that is really outsized from the COVID-19 pandemic. The question is, what do we do about that uh, going into the future so that uh, things could look different if we had another pandemic or even if we don't, uh, can we make opportunity more accessible and equal? Can we make uh, other parts of American life fairer? Uh, and what makes 
what, what, what do you need to do to make sure that future crises don't look like what we're living through right now? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll try to include you in the conversation uh, that way. Uh, Dr. Ray, I, I want to get you to talk just a little about um, how Detroit fits into the national picture here. Uh, you know, th- th- these, are not, uh, these are not problems that are uh, specific to Detroit. Uh, the, the, you know, this is a, an American uh, disparity that we're talking about. Um, but, but can you give us some idea of the comparison between what we're seeing here in Detroit and what we're seeing uh, in terms of the racial gap elsewhere. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I mean, when we talk about Detroit and Michigan as a state, um, it was one of the hardest hit places when it comes to COVID, particularly when it comes to racial disparities. And the other states that were coupled with that are the ones that we might already think about, New York, New Jersey, um, but also some in the South, including Louisiana and Mississippi. So we see that these areas have been hardest hit. And the question becomes why? Well, these structural conditions undergird pre-existing health conditions. So we know in a city like Detroit that has historically been segregated, historically been hit by redlining like most major cities. But we also know that some of the economic recovery that occurred in in some other places around the country, um, say like Atlanta or even Washington DC to a certain extent, um, has not happened in the same way um, in Detroit as it had in, has in other places. And this is the reason why organizations like New Detroit are doing such important work, because one of the things that we realize on the policy end is as much as the great work that people are doing in Detroit, um, I've had a series of meetings with, with New Detroit and, and stakeholders in the city, um, as well as Governor Gretchen Whit- Whitmer's uh, COVID-19 task force for, you know, for equity. And everyone is, is, is doing great work. The issue becomes, of course, you are pushed up against um, a legacy that has cemented into um, the very fabric of life in Detroit that literally um, distinguishes you based on your race, unfortunately. And, and we also know that it's not simply about the mandating of policy, which is really, really important, but it's also about the implementation of policy. So one of the things we try to do in this report is not just say that A and B should be done, you know, instead of just saying, you know, racially equitable healthcare access. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like to go from pin to a policy to something where someone is in a healthcare sitting and getting getting adequate healthcare? That's the transition that has to be made to ensure that we not only address COVID-19, but just the the underlying health disparities that we see existing in cities like Detroit. Hmm. So uh, Brian on Twitter says, uh, we must, must, must be offering minorities and women crash courses in entrepreneurship. Show how to raise capital, what's available, how to start over if you fail once or twice. This is seriously lacking to have a more robust minority-owned small business sector. That's an interesting idea, and I hear lots of people uh, talk about uh, entrepreneurship as one of the things that is an answer to these racial disparities. At the same time, uh, I think there's a tension between the idea of uh, pushing entrepreneurship and making sure that people who are left behind still have what 
what they need. Uh, people who are not able to own their own business or start their own business, uh, that they're not that they're not left out. And that I think is from a policy perspective. Uh, one of the things that we've had to, to fight the hardest against. Uh, Mike Rafferty, what's your reaction to that? I, I believe it's absolutely true. Um, you know, creating wealth, creating, uh, you know, uh, closing gaps in income is critical and important. Um, I would say, though, it's it's like it's like cleaning a room when the whole house needs to be cleaned. Right. You know, I mean, it's a critical room and it's, a you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good effort to, you know, make sure that one room is clean, but you know, when I, you know, I think about, uh, you know, turn of the century, you know, Henry Ford gave everybody $5 a day. Um, that was great. Um, you know, black Americans came, uh, to Detroit, got $5 a day, the same way that folks came from Appalachia and, you know, and, and everywhere else, even though there was equity there, you know, you, you fast forward to today and, you see massive disparities in uh, legacy wealth, massive disparities in income, massive disparities. So, you know, it's, even though it's really important to focus on entrepreneurship, it's important to focus on the economy, it's important to make sure that we close uh, the income and wealth gap, we also have to think about housing policies. We've got to think about uh, law enforcement, policing, uh, health care, education. I mean, when we say it's a systemic problem, we have to address it systemically. We have to clean the whole house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I want to make this point pretty strongly as well. We also have to deal with racism. We also have right. to deal with white supremacy. Those right. are the dynamics that undergird all of this. And uh, something like entrepreneurship, which is a great idea, doesn't necessarily address the, the systemic inequalities that make something like entrepreneurship look different between white and black Americans uh, in the first place. So, Dr. Ray, that's, that's a real focus of your work as well. Without a doubt. I mean, one of the big things as we talk about these structural conditions undergirding pre-existing health conditions, undergirding economic inequality, at the root of it is systemic racism. And when we start talking about entrepreneurship, for example, uh, one of the things that we found in the report is just the stark differences between the amount of payment protection program funding that was allotted to Detroit compared to the rest of the tri-county area. I mean, it was stark. I mean, people can people should really look at this in the report. It was graph six. And I remember we reviewed it so many times because the graph was so out of whack that in Detroit, not only were small businesses, which a lot of them are black small businesses in Detroit compared to the rest of the tri-county area, not only were they less likely to receive PPP loans, but they were also less likely to receive the same amount of money when they did get it. So in fact, over 75% of businesses in Detroit receive less than $50,000 compared to around 60% in Macomb, in Oakland County. So these are the disparities that we're talking about. So oftentimes before we even can get to literacy, because even if we address literacy, that literacy does not address the structural barriers that exist for black small businesses gaining access to capital. And we know overwhelmingly that that's the case. And we know that small businesses continue to be a bedrock 
of cities, particularly in a city like Detroit with its legacy and its history. And so the systemic racism that exists, and Mike said it so well, <laughs> that it's great to clean one room, but the entire house has issues. The entire house needs to be rebuilt. And that's one of the big things that came out of this report is that COVID-19 simply highlighted and illuminated the racial inequalities that were already there. Uh, Mike, uh, I, I want to talk a little about the uh, town hall and the series of town halls and let listeners know how they can uh, participate. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm really glad, uh, you know, Rishan uh, Ray uh, is here. He's going to uh, be on the town hall later on today with the, uh, the uh, person he partnered with, Jane Morgan. She's a, a local researcher. And it's going to be the first of three uh, Three, it's, it's the first in, in a series of three town halls uh, that focus on not just these issues, but the report itself. Uh, Rashawn and Jane are going to uh, talk through the, the, the highlights of it, answer questions, uh, and it's going to be a live event. Uh, you can uh, get information by uh, going to our Facebook page. Um, uh, again, that's New Detroit, Inc. Uh, the second town hall is going to be with uh, other experts across the region. Uh, who are uh, key to and focused on the areas uh, that we talked about today, public health, um, the economy, education. Um, and then a third is going to be uh, a conversation with real people, real folks, um, folks who are listening to us right now who've been affected and impacted by COVID um, and uh, the intersection between the pandemic and race. Um, and those dates are, are, are to be determined. Okay. Uh, Mike Rafferty, president and CEO of New Detroit. Uh, always great to have you here on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to keep Dr. Rashawn Ray for our next topic, which is Senator Tim Scott's amazing statement that uh, the United States is not a racist country. Dr. Ray has written an essay for Brookings uh, taking a look at that statement and putting it in some context. We're going to talk about that next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. We'll be right back. 